Welcome. I'm Pam Lundell. What do you do when you're suddenly navigating a life you didn't sign up for? My guest on this episode of A Widow's Heart, Lisa Apollo, understands deeply. She's experienced the raw emotions and uncertainty that come when everything falls apart. She shares her journey of faith as a widow and a single mom of seven in her new book, which we'll talk about and a whole lot more. God can be faithful in ways that we would never see. And that's what I've seen that, um, man, as much as I would love my kids to have their earthly father here, God has fathered them so practically and so personally. I'm Pam Lundell, and this is A Widow's Heart. Hey, welcome to A Widow's Heart, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here with you. Good. I might sound a little plugged up because our pollen count here is really high in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm in Florida, so yes, we, we know about allergies. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's talk about your story. Um, and that's one thing we have in common is a story, but everyone is, is so unique. So if you don't mind sharing that story, it's going to encourage so many others. Sure. I... I will start 10 years ago. Um, it was the summer. It was actually Father's Day weekend. And, you know, I, I'm a mom of seven. So my kids at that time were four years old, all the way up to my, our oldest was 19. He had just finished his first year of college. And I thought, oh. okay, I'll just need to do this six more times and we'll be home free, right? <laughs> six more times. That's all. Right. <laughs> So we, you know, I was, I had uh, practiced law earlier as a, as a, you know, new graduate and as a young mom. But at this point I was home full time with the kids. It's kind of the hub of the home. And we just had a busy summer planned. It was typical for family, you know, of that size, kids going different ways and camps. Um, on a very, what I thought was ordinary Friday morning, I woke up to my husband's funny breathing and I wasn't even awake enough to open my eyes, but I reached over and just nudged him and said, it's just a nightmare, hun. And I fully expected he would turn over and we would fall back asleep and we would wake up again in a couple hours to his alarm. But um, as I woke up more to his continued breathing, I realized, you know, he hadn't turned over and I flipped on the overhead light and could see immediately that something was very wrong. Oh. And, you know, this had come from nowhere. There were no signs, no symptoms, nothing that we knew that was at issue. Um, and so I began crying out to him, you know, are you okay? Can you hear me? He was non-responsive. My older kids were right outside the door in their sleeping bags and they began to come in. My four-year-old had crawled up as she did almost every night in between mm. the two of us. So there she lay, you know, right next to him. And I just went into crisis management mode. We just never know how we're going to react in these kind of situations. But, you right. know, call 911. Nick, you know, Seth, go down and get our fireman neighbor. Um, Rachel, take the little ones upstairs. And we, I started doing CPR. The operator walked me through. And I was not even two rounds in when the paramedics got to our house. So oh. I thought, okay, good. Oh. He is in good hands, you know, and he's going to be so mad when he wakes up and realizes that, he it's going to miss work today. Um, at the same time, I could see the gravity of the situation. So they took him by ambulance to the hospital and I followed. And it was not long when they called me back to that room. You never want to go in and right. told me that they had worked on him for over two hours and they had never been able to revive him. So that was oh, it. Lisa. You know, one night sleep. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can, I can resonate with that life yeah. shifts and implodes in ways we never could see coming. 
Oh, and I, I'm looking at your website too, and I just urge uh, you, if you're listening, Lisa dot com to hear that story, the whole story. I, I love how as the years go by, it's amazing how fast the years go by. Um, mm. On the end of your story, it says, the next part takes so much energy to express. I'll save it for tomorrow. For today, no tears, just good memories of a good, busy, messy, happy, promising, full color life. Now, wow. as you're leaving that hospital room, you're not thinking like that, correct? No, I was, you know, in shock, um, but also was headed home to tell my seven kids that their dad was in heaven. And, um, you know, just really that day over the next few days, um, you know, just doing the next thing, just writing the obituary and picking out plots and um, taking care of my kids. Yeah. Yes. All those things. But when everybody went home and the house quieted and we were alone for the first time, you know, that grief just was, um, excruciating. It was physical. I was so grief naive. I really had never encountered anything like this and saw for the first time that grief is just so exhausting that it consumes us physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually and um and just has fingers that reach into every corner of our life and our rhythm and our plans and all of that and then you know to walking my kids through their grief yeah um, we're talking with Lisa Apollo and so glad that you are here too. Um, just getting through grief one day at a time, as you're saying, and, and I've, I've said this before, but I think God invented us kind of like an onion where just small layers at a time, you know, can come off because if the enormity of our grief hit us all at once, we couldn't handle it. That is so true. Yes. I often um, called it a soft landing. You know, we're in that fog of grief and that's really kind of a protection, I think. Uh, But that protection goes. And I think the second year for me was harder. I've heard that from many people that the second year was just harder in so many ways because it was waking up over and over to the brutal reality that this is my life and it's not, you know, he's not going to walk in the back door and the reality of, of all that change really hit and um, I, I found myself looking for John, looking for him at events and things like that. And it's like, wait, wait, I have to reprogram my mind. That's really what it is, isn't it? It really is. It just takes our mind and our heart so long to catch up to this new reality. And I don't even call it a new normal. I mean, I know people, even even a few weeks after, we're talking about a new normal. And my daughter next, she was 17. She said, mom, this is, she turned and joined our conversation. She said, this is not a normal thing. This, and I really. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Poor yeah. Thing. I appreciated her saying that. And we've never called it a new normal. We call it a new rhythm. And we definitely have um, found a new rhythm as a family, but we, he is always missed at every dinner table conversation, at every celebration, at every Christmas. And, and we're talking with Lisa Apollo, mom of seven. Um, my my two were grown and out of the house um, when this happened. It was my dogs, Gidget and Gomer, that greeted me every day. <laughs> that gave me that <laughs> unconditional love next to my heavenly father, you know. But what um, what are the needs? What are the, I mean, you're grieving your your husband, your best friend, and then you've got children that you need to be there for. Um, how can you speak to that for someone who might be going through that? 
Yeah, I would say be honest with your emotions. You don't have to show it perfectly for your children. I don't think they expect it. And it's good for them to see that we, how we're navigating those emotions very honestly. I didn't fall apart in front of my kids. Um, I did save that for my minivan times, but they definitely saw me cry. We cried, you know, I cried through church services. I, we cried through books that we were very intentionally reading together. Um, so first, just be honest with your emotions with your kids and then provide a safe place for them too, because everyone grieves differently. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. And so my four-year-old was super concrete. She had the same questions every day for over a year, you know, in the middle of a normal like errand, she would cry out, I miss my daddy. And I would Aww. reach my hand back and hold hers <laughs> in her car seat. And we would have the same conversation oh. because she was trying to grapple with the permanency of death. Um, you know, in her car teen, seat. Oh, yeah. Lisa. Oh, you know, tween and teen boys, they kind of want to go back to life as normal. So be, be very aware of that and make sure that in the home that you are keeping that conversation open, you know, not just how was your day, but, um, telling stories of the, of the loved one who's gone and, um, sharing things that God is teaching you and just keeping that conversation open. We're talking with Lisa Apollo. Lisa Apollo is also the author of an amazing book. And I know, um, grief counselors and others are using this as a resource and I've been going through it myself. It is, it's fantastic. Lisa, it's called life can be good again, putting your world back together after it all falls apart. And, um, that's a, that's a, Pretty big statement there. Life can be good again. Um, how do you address that when someone's just maybe lost their their spouse? They've lost a significant other um, family member just a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. Yes, this is not a Band-Aid that we just place over raw, fresh grief and say, just move on, um, because that doesn't help any of us actually process what's happened. But it is. I do remember early in my grief thinking, I I want to smile again, but wondering if I ever would. Right. Wondering if I'd ever really feel that joy that is just organically bubbles up, you know, from a sweet experience or a laugh. I didn't know because life felt so awful. I wanted it to. I did not want to skim by on indifference and just go on to neutral the rest of my life. But it takes a lot of work. And so if you are new and fresh grief, I would say um, to to take your emotions to God. They are safe with him. They are safest with him. And um, don't try to escape or mask or fast forward through your pain. We cannot do. I just was talking uh, with a brand new widow yesterday about this. As much as we want to um, move on, we have to do the hard work of grief now Mm -hmm. on our terms or it will come back on its terms later. Yeah, like I said, you can't you can't go around it. You certainly can, but eventually you have to go through it. And it's and for come me, back. yeah, it yeah. was what it was like six months after um, John went to heaven, and my mom was living with me. They lived two, a couple hours away, and I always would come home, and someone would be there. But when she finally left, literally left, and the door shut, I mean, it just hit my knees, and that was when the real grieving started. Um, yeah, and it, your your book is such uh, an incredible encouragement um, w- with faith. I mean, can you um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with God? How was that? I know when, I mean, I found my husband and I I just thought, wow, I didn't think it was going to end like this. But he got, yeah. he got healed in heaven. Um, but I just remember feeling especially the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I did too. And that 
for this is going to sound crazy unless you walked it. It was the worst of times and the best of times for that reason, because I had never so powerfully felt God's presence. And I knew it wasn't just a palpable feeling. It was he was changing me. He honestly was giving me different eyes. I saw people with compassion. Mm. I like went through this period where I had no judgment. I can't explain it. It sounds odd and weird to explain. But all I can say is that God is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. That is a promise and it is such reality. And it's true whether we feel it or not. You know, God draws close to us and he loves the widow. Boy, he has a heart for the widow and the fatherless. And he is a defender of the widow. I think for me, I didn't, um, my faith wasn't rocky, but I sure found that when life emptied, that there were a lot of idols that I had set up that I wasn't aware of, a couple deals that I had made with God that I wasn't aware of. Um, I had a lot of heart work to do, you know, as much as I thought that I was, you know, a faithful believer. And that part, I would never give back. I would never want to go back to the girl I was before. Lisa Apollo, my guest on A Widow's Heart. And can you speak to those deals that you made with God? (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. So one was, well, we have seven children, right? And I started out winning three. My husband wanted two and I made it, I, you know, made it agree with him to get to three. And what then a beautiful family. Point, I saw pictures. Oh my oh, gosh. Thank you. Yes. I was so glad for life in the house, but you know, God overruled us and we had seven. And it was such a trust to step out every time and say, we trust you. We trust you with our family size and with the provision for it. And I think unwritten code that I had was, if I follow you faithfully in this big step, you will make sure that we're alive to see them raised. And that's that's never been part of the deal. When God calls us to step out to trust him, he calls us to himself. And we might put conditions on it or parameters around it or think it's going to look a certain way. But those are all idols. They're expectations we put on God. And God can be faithful in ways that we would never see. And that's what I've seen, that, um, man, as much as I would love my kids to have their earthly father here, God has fathered them so practically and so personally. Mm-hmm. I have a dear friend who just lost his wife just a couple of months ago um, at the radio station that I work at. And um, we were at the uh, the homegoing service and they have four amazing boys. And I remember talking to, to one and, and, and I said, I'm so sorry. I really am that you lost your mom so young. Um, and, and he said, you know what? But she gave us the tools. She gave us the tools to make the right decision and to love God. And he, he just had a smile on his face. And it, it's so... Incredible to see that, you know, at a, at a home going because it's not a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting that those lessons carry on into the children's lives and they continue to parent the, and guide those kids. Hey, we'll be right back. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Wings for Widows. You can find out more at wingsforwidows.org. I'm Pam Lundell, and I know when I first became a widow, so many things just crop up and things that you have to do. And one of them is finances. And I really didn't know a lot about our finances. And I wish I'd known about Wings for Widows because they're a nonprofit just for you to help you walk through those difficult decisions. In fact, Joe from Eden Prairie says, I'm so glad I reached out. They helped me to wrap my arms around the enormity of my situation and move forward with confidence. 
I can't thank Wings for Widows enough. Such a great resource. Your financial wellness check, your financial coaching is free. There are so many great people there ready to reach out, just give you a hug and help you through those difficult financial decisions. Check it out at wingsforwidows.org. Okay, so I'm on page 95 of Life Can Be Good Again. This is the book. You should check it out from Lisa Apollo. And um, it says, God, I hope this just comforts everybody because it does me too. God's grace is stamina when we're too weary to keep going. God's grace is comfort when the pain is more than we can bear. God's grace is endurance when we're waiting longer than we dreamed possible. God's grace is courage when the step ahead is too hard. It's only when we reach a point of utter weakness that we see God's supernatural strength. That was me when I discovered John was gone that early, early Sunday morning at my house. And that was in 2005. And, and I just was, was at the bottom. And that's when I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he hasn't left me since. I mean, I know God didn't take my husband to do that. Right. But it's, it's just um, quite a, quite a humbling thing to grow through, but, but absolutely magnificent at the same time. Yeah. And what, what a um, privilege to get to see the God of scripture that we've taught our kids about, we've read and studied is alive and active for us. And that he is faithful in, in all of those ways that you just read for us. Mm. When, um, when that unthinkable loss happens that so many of us has, have experienced fear is definitely a companion. So how can we start moving forward without fear? Yeah, fear is such a part of grief. And I realized early on that it was really dominating my thoughts. It was, you know, when when the unthinkable happens, it kind of opens the door to all these other fears because what seemed far-fetched is now reality. And so I had very real fears for like we were a one-income family and that income was gone for my kids, how they would act out in grief or even their underlying medical, you know, health. Um And so I realized that I was paralyzed by fear. I wasn't even able to parent well because my decisions were just gripped by fear. And so I had to get a handle on it. And a dear friend who has a progressive chronic diagnosis, who's wrestled with her own fear, shared with me 2 Corinthians 10, 5, which says that we are to take every thought captive to the truth of Christ. And so I began to do that very very um, intentionally. It wasn't just like, oh, let me just stick this little post-it on my mirror. I, when, when I had a fear and it was all day, every day at first, you know, I would first step, I would call out the lie under that fear. And then second step, I would take it captive. I would see like a lasso in my mind, kind of taking that out of my thoughts. And then third, I would replace it with a promise of God or with the character of God. And at first it was like, you know, very um, clunky to do that over and over again. But the more I did it, the less fear I had. And it just wasn't such a um, vice grip around my thoughts and my heart. What, um, Lisa, what, what advice do you have for someone who maybe has grieving and they've been grieving for a long time and there is no manual? Absolutely. But at what point um, should you maybe ask for help? Well, I, I'm not a licensed therapist, so I hate to make that call, but, um, I would, you know, and we're all different. That's another thing. You know, there's this new, um, proposal to, to call uh, prolonged grief disorder. And there's a lot of talk about it because some people are saying, but it's normal to grieve for a long time. And others are saying, but we could get them help if they're stuck there. I think that, you know, if you're not able to function, if you're physically finding that you can't sleep, you can't eat, and it's affecting your health, if it's affecting your relationship 
just around you. You can't show up to parent. Your kids are suffering um, and all of those things. And it's a cry for help. And you should, we should definitely reach out to, um, to our church staff, to our family, you know, and then to a, to a therapist. When you think about Dan, your husband, um, what makes you smile these days? Oh yeah. It's so sweet that the Facebook memories that used to just trigger these knife wounds really do bring back warm smiles now. And I think it's just, um, you know, he was six foot three. He was a big Dutch guy. And, um, you know, when he walked in the room, he, he genuinely loved people and he engaged with them with a, with a genuine smile and a sincere interest in them, um, knew their name and did not forget it. And I just think, you know, I, I, he has forever impacted who I am. Can you talk about encouragement for those who have friends who are grieving? What are things, I I don't want to, you know, the, the rule book, the etiquette book or anything. And, um, I have some answers myself, but the things to do, uh, for that grieving person. Right. I learned so much from my friends. I really think they did this well and my family. Um, and I remember kind of mentally taking notes thinking you will have an opportunity to, to do this too. I think the first thing is to show up. Uh, People that day came, opened my front door, my table was laden with food, but people brought things like uh, big packs of toilet paper and tissues and paper towels. Women got in the kitchen and started doing (laughs) dishes. People helped me plan the funeral. I literally just handed a page of kind of instructions and to a friend and she took over and really planned the service. Um, people went with me to do the hard things like pick out a plot and go to the bank and, um, and then they kept showing up. That's the thing, you know, we're all there in the first few days, but, uh, people showed up to cheer my kids on at games for years. People came at Christmas to Christmas Carol, um, texted Bible verses, remembered significant dates, All of those things are huge. We don't have to have words to fix it. I think being there in whatever way God nudges you is the, is just being the um, hands and feet of Christ. Lisa Apollo, amazing. And again, the book is called Life Can Be Good Again. And you talk about idols too, when we experience suffering. I think I know where you're going, but can you clarify on that? Yes. So we talked earlier about how when life empties, that it really reveals some of the things that uh, places where we had misplaced our hope or our confidence. And for me, two were big. And the first one is the idol of self-sufficiency, that I can handle this, that that I've got to handle on all the things. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when life implodes in loss, and there are a lot of ways that it can implode in loss, right? Um, We realized that uh, we weren't made to handle these things that God never intended us to handle these things and that, and, um, and that he created us for a relationship of just that utter dependence on him. And I remember thinking, Lord, one day, one day I'm going to feel better, but don't ever let me move from this place of just getting up and saying, this is too hard. I cannot do this. And then the other big idol for me oh, was idol of control because like self-sufficiency, oh, amen, sister. <laughs> right? We think that we can plan out our day and our week and our future and our children's lives and their childhood and control is such an illusion. And so just finding these areas where we just need to surrender that to God. I, I know for my children, I have really grieved more than once, not just their loss, but that their childhood wasn't the one that I wanted for them, that I would have written it so differently. 
and then surrendering that to God. He is in control of their childhood and he has sovereignty over it. And so if he has allowed it, he has um, divine things for them in it. You have a quote in your book on chapter 12 from Elizabeth Elliot, and, and I just, I love this. The deepest things I've learned in my life have come from the deepest suffering and out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things that I know about God. And that, that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? It really does. You know, I think we all want that solid, tried faith, but we don't want the circumstances that are going to get us there. But um, we have a choice in circumstances. You know, it's said that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, but that's not the whole truth because what doesn't kill us can make us bitter. It can make us turn from God. It's what we do in those circumstances. And if we will lean on God and trust him, um, he, he, we really do see that he has promises hold and that he is faithful in so many ways. You know, when after the um, death of my husband, I went to a, uh, I may have talked about this before, a grief group. And I walked in and there were um, several ladies, probably in their 80s, um, who had lost their husbands after 50, 60 years of marriage. And, and I felt a little put out. I was like, wait a minute. I was only married for 11 years. And mm. You guys had this long love story. But then after I just got into it, you know, and leaned into the study, these women became such wonderful friends. Um, you know, age is no barrier and we were all grieving. And it was, it was just amazing. And I also found my life verse there, Psalm 91 verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I love that. There was one very similar to that in Deuteronomy 33, 27, I believe that says, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And that was such a picture to me, just like the verse you quoted of him carrying us in, in grief. And okay, so in your book, and I, I find this interesting too, it's not just for those who are grieving a loved one. Who else can share in this uh, a message of hope that you offer so well? <laughs> yeah, the, we were very intentional. The publisher also was very intentional to um, make sure this, uh, there were other stories in the book from other women who've gone through shattering losses. So it's really for anybody who has found themselves navigating a deep loss, a deep disappointment, and a life they didn't expect. You know, it could be a spouse who walks out who says, I never loved you, or it could be a miscarriage or child loss. It could be a chronic diagnosis that's changed life as you know it. It could be even a friend of mine had um, a business she and her husband had poured their heart and time and money into, and when something happened that they didn't see coming from somebody they should have been able to trust, it just imploded so much of life. Lisa Apollo, um, amazing. I really urge you to check out the book and her website, Lisa, A-P-P-E-L-O.com. And if you want to dive deeper, you offer on your website, I see a, a free seven days of hope for your shattered heart that people can get an email every day. Yes, it's actually a download. So you'll get the whole thing. It's kind of a seven day devotional that will walk you through uh, very intentional steps that you can begin to take in that hard place to, to begin to move forward.
Mm, that's wonderful. What is on the horizon for you, Lisa? What's coming up this year now that now that we've gotten through the last two? <laughs> I know, right? Well, um, professionally, we are starting a local widow's ministry, which I'm really excited about. It'll be for wi- women of, of any age and so ne- necessary. And then I'll just be doing more writing and more speaking. I mean, I have a, a my own site, LisaApolo.com, but also a contributor site called Hope in Grief that talks about grief from... Um, there are a lot of ways to experience and grief. So we talk about all of those. And I have a team of writers that share different perspectives, all faith-based. That's awesome. And, and what is the Widow Mama Collective? Okay. So that is a Facebook group for women who still have kids in the home. I mean, they could be like college age or actively parenting children or kids. And, um, There's some unique issues that you deal with when you're a widow and a mom. And so I started that with two other women who were all across the country and um, it's closed only to keep it safe, but it is open to anybody who would uh, benefit from that resource. Also faith-based and we have speakers in there. So it's, it's a great group. The Widow Mama Collective. Check it out on Facebook. You're all over the socials, as they say. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, LisaAppolo.com. Hey, can I ask you to please pray for um, everyone who's listening and uh, hearts are touched with your message? Yes, I would be honored to. Lord, we pray for that one who is listening now, whose heart is broken, and she is wondering how in the world, Lord, she's going to ever smile again whether life will ever feel good again. She is clinging to the hem of your garment because you are our hope, Lord God. I pray that even today she will see a sign of your goodness as it says in the Psalms, that you will open her eyes to see that you have not set her aside or turned away, that your hand is on her and that you have gone before her in ways that she has yet to see. Lord, you love her so much. She is the apple of your eye. Oh, Father, just draw her to you and help her to trust you in these hard, challenging steps that she has to take and um, in all that you have for her in this next chapter. I hope you've been encouraged on your own journey through the story of Lisa and her faith. If you'd like to learn more, be sure and follow our new Facebook page for A Widow's Heart. Just look for the pink flower growing through a sidewalk. A Widow's Heart is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of University of Northwestern St. Paul. If you've lost a spouse or know someone who is, please share this podcast or any of the others on Apple, Google, and Spotify. A Widow's Heart is grateful for the support of Wings for Widows.